NBA offseason, the Lakers be hating, Celtics hired Dookie Hauser, and Yasiel Puig? Who the hell is that? All this and more on today's... Crazy rock and roll music anyway. Well, I didn't see that coming. Hello and welcome. Operators are standing by. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's like there's no tomorrow. TCRPN, the Critical Reviewer Podcast Network. Welcome to Touching All the Bases. My my name is Anthony Nicholas, and I'm here with Jeremy Weicker. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, and then we also got uh, Nadine Magellani. And uh, this is our uh, sports uh, talk show podcast, blah, 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 for the Critical Reviewer Podcast Network, or at TCRPN on Twitter. Welcome, guys. Hashtag. Hey. No, not hashtag, <laughs> at TCRPN. You got to get that straight. All right. Um, so let's talk first about uh, the NBA offseason. Uh, one of the first things that I want to focus on is the NBA draft and how there is, in my opinion, no star players to be in it. But I do think that uh, Victor Oladipo is going to be a very good player. And I think Shane Larkin is going to be the steal of the draft. No, absolutely. Oladipo's already showed his colors in this year's summer, uh, summer games. But all right, so let's rewind the clock a little bit. Uh, Ten years ago, they drafted number one first overall LeBron James. Then they decided to go with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, you're talking about Cleveland, right? Yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. And they they kind of they kind of messed up with with Kyrie, kind of an injury prone guy. And then now they they go ahead and draft a big man who who wasn't even projected to be top uh, yeah, five. Yeah, I don't know what they're talking uh, what they're thinking about. Anthony Bennett, to me, he's not even as good as uh, Draymond Green from last year's draft. And Draymond Green was like the first overall pick in the second round, so he was like number thirty one last year. I don't know what they're thinking about with having Anthony Bennett. I know this year's draft wasn't that star-studded, but if you can't get someone that's going to fit your system really well, then just try to trade out of it or get something for it. But they could have had Victor Oladipo. They could have had Nerylands Noel and just had him sit out a year and, like, heal his knee. But now you kind of force this guy who doesn't seem to have the talent of – second round draft picks from last year and have him be the number one overall draft well, pick. Well, you, you got to also also think that that Cleveland had to have had an idea of what they're doing, seeing as how they're clearing up so much cap space for free agency of 2014. Now, wh- where do they get off drafting this guy who's not going to bring attention to to top-tier free agents in 2014 when they could have drafted a young player like New Orleans, who could have have made a name for himself the following year during draft season or during free agency. Yeah, and when I see them draft Anthony Bennett, I think to myself, this seems like something that Dan Gilbert's going to do and not something that Mike Brown wanted to do. He doesn't really seem to fit Mike Brown type of offense and defense. This guy is a overweight but also small power forward who's around 6'7", six, 6'8", six, who can't really shoot an outside jump shot. He's, he's like a lesser version of what they had with J.J. Hickson, and they let J.J. Hickson go on and play for Portland. In Portland, he was averaging 10-10, and 10, which was the best stats of his career, and now he's gone to a completely different place. I don't, I don't know what Cleveland's doing with uh, their draft picks. They, 
they lucked two years in a row in having the number one overall draft pick and having Kyrie Irving, and then they uh, had now Anthony Bennett. And it's, they're trying to make it seem like, oh, LeBron's going to come back to Cleveland in no. 2014. No but way. It, it, it doesn't make any sense it, at all. And it's not like they're making it more attractive. I could understand if they're bringing in free agents and if they're drafting well, but they've been horrible the past three years. Ever since LeBron left, they were one of the worst teams in the league. If you're a high-profile free agent, whether it was this year or next year, you're, you're not going to come to a team that's rebuilding and who's drafting players out of college who don't have the kind of credentials that should fit in the top five of the draft. Even when they had LeBron, they couldn't convince uh, top free agents to go there. They couldn't get Amari Stoudemire, who was on the last year of his contract, to go over. And they had their biggest uh, free agent they had with LeBron was Antoine Jameson. And he was in his like 14th year in the league. His knees were shot and he was like he was still kind of good on offense, but he was slow and he was out of shape and he just couldn't do anything. No, I mean, as much as I'd love to to, to continue to bash Cleveland as as horrible as their management and ownership <laughs> has been, um, let's let's move on because this is this could be completely boring. Boring. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's just focus on draft real quick. What would you say your three favorite picks ended up being? Oh, uh, Trey Burke. Trey Burke. Oladipo. Yes. And the late pick, of course, I have to say, was was Shane Larkin, of course, because yeah. a point guard like that who can control the paint. The big knock on him was his height, but he's only technically one inch shorter than Chris Paul. And they say his wingspan isn't that big, but you don't want your point guard having a huge wingspan because he wants to actually keep the ball closer to him. He's not going up for rebounds, and he's not going to be guarding guys who are six feet nine. He's going to be controlling the ball and you want someone who's athletic who is intelligent who came from a system that runs a pro style offense like Miami did with Laranega um, to me the my favorite picks were Oladipo um, uh, Maryland's Noel going to Philadelphia because they ended up also getting New Orleans first round pick for 2014 which is really smart at first, I thought it was really stupid that they got rid of Drew Holiday because he was an all-star point guard, and I really liked his game. But seeing them get Noel and then also getting the first-round draft pick for next year and knowing that New Orleans isn't going to be that good of a team for this year, they're probably going to get somewhere in the top 10 in that pick, and they might even get be able to get Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins. And then... Um, you know, people knock Philadelphia for, for trading in broken knees for broken knees. Yeah. But you have to look at the athleticism behind this. Despite the two championships that uh, that that uh, Bynum was able to, to I guess, yeah, squander under his belt. Yeah, yeah but, but having a guy like Nerlens who can be a post-presence and kind of defend, uh, not necessarily the best uh, when it comes to offense, but having, having a player like that, um, especially a young player, great, great person to build around. Yeah, and if they're planning on next year being the year that they make all their big moves, you know, just have Noel sit out like half the year. Don't worry about him trying to get rookie of the year or anything like that. Save up your energy, heal that knee, come back at 100%, play 20 minutes a game so you get the feel of the NBA, and then be ready for 2014. You don't need to have all the individual stats when you're a young player. 
as long as you, you know, get together that grasp of what the actual NBA is like. Where in college, if you're just tall and athletic, you can dominate. In the NBA, everyone's tall and athletic. You have to develop more skills. So, um, next thing I want to talk about is Boston Celtics trading away their entire oh team. Oh, my God. And, and Danny Ainge is saying, oh, um, we're not tanking. We're, we're going to just rebuild for the future. But when you trade away your best players and you also trade away your coach, uh, someone who's most likely going to be a Hall of Fame coach, who's already won a championship and brought you to another championship game in Game 7 and brought this underachieving team with a hurt Rajon Rondo to the playoffs and won two games against the Knicks. I just imagine Danny Ainge without barrels of tea, but barrels of Hall of Famers throwing them off the ship as they soak into the river. <laughs> I, I just I don't understand and where he comes from. Setting them on fire. <laughs> it, it absolutely makes no sense. It baffles me to to send send to not only lose uh, one of your best sharpshooters to the Miami Heat, but to to trade off the the two remaining essences of of who created that championship atmosphere. They got rid of every single person who came there for those six years and won them a championship and brought them to another championship game seven where they could have won if it wasn't for Ron Artesco and crazy. But, you know, it's so hypocritical of way that the Celtics are saying how they lost Ray Allen's phone number, that Ray Allen's a traitor, he decided to leave and go to the uh, rival enemy. But now you have Danny Ainge trading away Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce Two players who are probably more important to the city and to the team than Ray Allen was, and getting back terrible players. And Brooklyn is not going to have a terrible record, so those first-round draft picks that you get aren't going to be that good of draft picks. So you get back bad contracts. They made out with nothing. They, well, Gerald Wallace has a bad contract. He's got three years and I think thirty-six million or thirty million around that. And then they they hired, um, well, who I said was Dookie Hauser, but uh, Brad Stevens, who is only thirty-six years old. And he's supposed to come in and uh, he's got a big smile on his face. But oh, he has he, no idea what he he's has, getting himself he's into. He's not going to have a smile at the end of you're, this season. You're or rebuilding the of this season. one of the top five teams in the NBA. I yeah. mean, one of the biggest franchises that have ever existed this guy is coming into uh, fr- straight off of the the freight chain coming out of college and and he has no idea what he's getting himself into and especially with Rajon Rondo if Doc Rivers one of the best coaches in the past 20 years yeah had conflicts if Ray Allen decided to take less money and go to Miami when the Celtics were offering him more years and more money, but he didn't like playing with Rajon Rondo, that shows you what type of player that he is. Yeah, he might be really talented, but it also hasn't translated to a bunch of wins. When they won their championship, he wasn't the focal point. When he ended up being the focal point is when they started being the fifth and sixth seed and uh, when they lost him in the middle of the season, that's actually when they made their run and started winning games and then brought themselves back into the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy's just agreeing with me. Yeah, whatever. Well, in, in, in this, <laughs> he finished in, his cup of J&B. In this situation, I mean, as much as I'd, I'd, I'd love to also also go on about how, how Boston has has pushed them back a, a, another decade in rebuilding, um, the... Well, no, I think what he needs to do is just listen to what Pat Riley told his publicist to do and just shut the fuck up. Because 
he says that he's not, <laughs> he says that he's not, um, he's not tanking, but you hire a college coach who is younger than one of the players that you have on the team, and you get rid of all of your Hall of Fame players, and you trade away your Hall of Fame coach, who's won you championships, of course you're tanking. And it didn't seem to work out too well with them before. They tried to get Tim Duncan in, I think it was 1999. That didn't work out. They weren't able to get Tim Duncan. And then, again, I think it was 2006? It was the Kevin Durant draft. Oh, the trying to yeah, put in the Kevin they, Durant. What they, did, what they did was that they just had Paul Pierce, and then it was uh, young Rajon Rondo, and Al Jefferson all playing, and they were trying to tank the season, and they thought that, you know, by getting the worst record, they can get the best draft pick, but th that's, <laughs> that's not how the draft lottery works. Turns out on them, right? Yeah, and they weren't able to get the first pick or the second pick. It was, they were lucky that it worked out where they were able to trade away that pick for uh, Jeff Green to Seattle so they could get Ray Allen, but still, they weren't able to get the Kevin Durant, so they're not even sure that they can get Andrew Wiggins or Jabari Parker or any of the top picks so, this year. So we, we already have an idea of, of who screwed up this postseason. Uh, yeah. Cleveland, uh, of course, Boston being on top of that. Um, we can trail it with, with of course, the Lakers and, 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 and the <laughs> yeah, Mavericks. Yeah, I want to save that for its own section just because... Living in L.A., it just infuriates me how the Lakers are. Um, I just want to say just a few more offseason moves that I did like. I liked what Golden State did by getting Iguodala. I'm sad that they uh, let Jared Jack go, but if they could get Iguodala. They I definitely traded up. Yeah, they, they got up so, so good. And everyone's talking about how Harrison Barnes, uh, was he going to move to the bench, is going to uh, – hinder his development as a player but I guess they forgot what they did last year during the playoffs where he played the power forward four and he was more of a stretch power forward that really spread the offense for them because they have great shooters and if you have Iguodala in there maybe Harrison Barnes does go to the bench but he's still going to play around 30 minutes a game and he's going to average around 14 points you know four rebounds two assists and he's going to shoot around 45 percent and he's going to be that extra threat and that boost of energy coming off the bench while you also have Steph Curry and you also have Iguodala playing defense and shooting and distributing and rebounding he does everything and then you got the Clay Thompson who's probably just like a younger version of what Iguodala Iguodala is. So I think they did great. I don't really think that they're going to use Andrew Bogut as much as people think. And the NBA seems to be going to this centerless league. And I think it's going to work out very well for them. The transition to small ball has definitely taken a big, a big hit in the NBA. You can see teams that have advanced into that, that uh, kind of level of play. Um, <clears throat> but back to the, the wins for this offseason, look at the Clippers. Not only were they oh, able to tag the number one, and I'm sorry, Dwight Howard, but the number one, uh, I would say, would have been Chris Paul for this offseason as a focus. But not only did you, were you able to bring in Chris Paul, but you were able to bring in Doc Rivers as a head coach, uh, Alvin Gentry as, as an assistant coach, who was a former head coach for the Phoenix Suns. Mm -hmm. uh, you were able to re-sign other guys that came off the bench, like Matt Barnes, and, and surrounding yourself by shooters with J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley. Like You've surrounded yourself by outside perimeter shooters, and you still have the inside presence of Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan. What, what they pretty much did was 
they traded. It seems like through these offseason moves, they traded Eric Bledsoe and Lamar Odom for uh, JJ Redick, Jared Dudley, and Darren Collison. It's not like a you know a real trade because they did sign them through free agency, but they're trading them on places on the depth chart. And the three players that they did get is a whole lot better than the two players that they gave up. So. You know, my, my biggest worry after I first saw the trade for Eric Bledsoe getting Jared Dudley and J.J. Redick was Chris Ball does get hurt sometimes. Wow. And last year he did miss like 14, 15 games. But then... But then, you know, they decided to get Darren Collison for a one, well, two-year deal with a player option. This kid is worth for way all, much more only than Only $3 this. Million. Yeah, and he, he was a... Starting point guard for the Pacers when they went into the playoffs. Dallas and then, Mavericks last year. And then year. he played with the Dallas Mavericks where he had a lot of great stats and was a team player and helped them out uh, to get almost to the eighth seed. They lost by like a couple of games, but they were still really close, especially when Dirk was sucking it up and being terrible ever since uh, the um, – the lockout, big fat Dirk, who can't stay healthy ever since the lockup, is now talking bad about other teams. But you got Darren Collison and OJ Mayo come in there and play really well for Dallas, and they don't even pick up their options. Way to go, Mark Cuban. Keep the old fat German and get rid of the young, talented guys. So, so <laughs> well, I, I, I am very pleased with Anthony's rant um, in regards to the fat German. Uh, well, I, I just hate the fact that everyone talks shit in the media, but no one like is introspective and doesn't look at themselves in the mirror. You got Dirk Nowitzki, who didn't even make the playoffs, talking crap about the Miami Heat, and then you have him going out and trying to recruit Dwight Howard on his own. You get rid of youth and in this search for a championship with Dwight Howard when you know you're clear not going to be the best player on the team if you do get Dwight Howard. And you blame Miami for making this whole, oh, chasing a championship thing. You tried to get LeBron in 2010 and you failed. You're a failure and you can't do anything without talent around you. You, you got Tyson Chandler. He was like a defensive player of the year when he helped you win a championship. You had Jason Kidd who came in there and helped you win a championship. So don't t tell me this shit about how Miami, oh, they, they chased a championship by getting free agents. Fuck you. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> well, a little passionate. Or no, do we fuck that. It? I don't care. Leave my curse words in. We're not getting paid for this. Um, and then this they brings us... Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Jeremy, for the offseason? You, you okay. summed it up. Now we're getting into it. We're getting into the real shit here. Dwight Howard and the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, shit. Let me just give a quick synopsis because there's a lot of lying that's going on out there by writers who live in Los Angeles and who are big-time fanboys. Dwight <laughs> Howard, when he was in Orlando in 2012, uh, he said that he would not sign an extension no matter what team he got traded to other than Brooklyn. He did not go to Brooklyn. He got traded to Los Angeles Lakers. He was traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. He did not choose to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. He wasn't even in their top three of teams that he wanted to go to. Throughout the entire year, Kobe Bryant treated him like shit. He had a back surgery in the offseason. He rushed himself back so he could start the season with the team and help the team win. As soon as he gets there, they fire the head coach who is a defensive-minded coach, a coach that is someone that would be 
the type of system that Dwight Howard would like to play. And who did they hire? They hired D'Antoni, or as people like to say, Antony, because he has no D in his offense and his defense. So they hired D'Antoni, and what does he do? He doesn't utilize Dwight Howard. He doesn't utilize Pal Gasol, and he... And Kobe Bryant doesn't like sharing the ball, so Steve Nash is barely utilizing the offense. The team is terrible. Dwight Howard tears his labrum, and he can't even rebound. People are doing hack of Dwight, and he's still playing through the injuries. And you got Kobe Bryant still talking shit about him, saying that you need to get out there, we need to win. And he rushes himself back. He plays throughout the rest of the season with a torn labrum, he, in the second half of the season, after the All-Star break, he averages 18 rebounds per game. So he, he ended up uh, being the leader in rebounds for the entire season, better than Roy Hibbert, better than Joe Kim Noah, better than Defensive Player of the Year, Marc Gasol, who only averaged like eight rebounds a game. And then uh, Kobe Bryant goes down, at that point, the Lakers are not in the playoffs. They're still three games behind with six games left to go in the season. Kobe Bryant's ankle explodes because he's a little bitch and he doesn't want to listen to his head coach and tell him to not play more than 40 minutes a game. And even Kobe Bryant said it. Everyone's blaming D'Antoni, but Kobe Bryant said it in the exit meetings. Nobody tells me how many minutes I play a game. So Dwight Howard puts the team on his back, his uh, surgically repaired back with his torn labrum and gets them into the playoffs, into the seventh seed, the seed that everyone wanted them to be so that they could play against San Antonio Spurs, and then they lose. Not because of Dwight Howard. Everyone's going to blame Dwight Howard, but then if you look at the stats of those games, he was averaging like 25 points and 12 rebounds against the San Antonio Spurs that had a much better team. They didn't have Steve Nash. They didn't have backup point guards. They Pau Gasol was barely even playing, and Dwight Howard's going out there and playing through all this. Um, now we come to the offseason, and everyone's like, oh, Dwight Howard's going to sign with the Lakers because they're the Lakers, because they have the second most championships ever, because Kobe Bryant's a winner, and he knows how to win. Well, guess what? He didn't. You know why? It's because of the Lakers' fault. It's because Kobe Bryant's fault. It's because of D'Antoni's fault. It's because of all the injuries and how old the team is. And because of this idea that maybe you might be able to sign a great free agent in 2014. Is Dwight Howard supposed to waste two years of his career as he's approaching 30 years old as a six foot eleven big man who just had back surgery and a torn labrum so the Lakers can be comfortable with signing free agents? He decided to go to the Houston Rockets so he could play with James Harden. He didn't even do a sign-and-trade, so they didn't even have to lose any pieces. So they have James Harden. They have Jeremy Lin. They have Ashik who can back up or they'll trade him away. And they also have Chandler Parsons, who can shoot the three. I think Dwight Howard made the right decision. He made a basketball decision. He took less money to go to Houston. And all the Lakers fans can go fuck themselves. <laughs> Hear that, Jeremy? Los Is there anything you like? <laughs> no, I, I mean you kind of you kind of summed it all up. Um, but you, you you and I have the same feelings towards this. The the Lakers they they're so entitled because of their past, because of nostalgia. They th all of them forget about how uh, 
Kobe Bryant forced Shaq to get out of town and got traded to Miami. All of them forgot about when he forced Jerry Buss to fire Phil Jackson after the 2004 season. All of them forget about uh, how they were missing the playoffs and having losing records and how he was asking to get traded to Chicago. But you know what? Let's just blame everything on Dwight Howard, not on the Asian players who treat all the other teammates like shit. Did you say Asian players? <laughs> Aging players. Aging. Okay. I was really, I did really confused. Jeremy Lin is, is, is with Houston. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Maybe. No, I, I agree 100% with you. Um, yeah, I, think, I think the Lakers, uh, after the passing of Dr. Buss, um, it kind of it kind of set back the the entire franchise a little bit, uh, putting the hands in 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 baby bus rather than letting Jim bus, yeah. rather than letting a, a genie take over, which she probably would have been a better handler with basketball operations, especially being you know almost married to Phil Jackson himself. See, the thing is, Jerry Bus gets a lot of credit as he should, but the thing is, he most of the great decisions the Lakers made was when Jerry West was the general manager. Jerry West is the one who scouted Kobe Bryant and decided to tra- uh, dra- um, not draft him, trade for him on draft day. He was the one who convinced Shaq to leave Orlando just after four years, while he was a stri- restricted free agent, to come to the Lakers. He was the one who orchestrated having Carl uh, Malone and Gary Payton come and try to win a championship. So then you lose Jerry West, and then... Mitch Kupchak gets to be the GM, but he still has Shaq, and he still has Kobe Bryant, and Shaq leaves, and then the Lakers dip, even though Mitch Kupchak is is the general manager, and then they luck into one of the biggest trade steals I've ever seen. I don't know why you know David Stern didn't step in for this one because they stepped in for all these other trades, but the Lakers got a twenty and ten power forward slash center in Pau Gasol for Kwame Brown and draft rights for an unproven Marc Gasol, which is just bullshit. So as, as much as everyone loves nostalgia, nostalgia is in the past. Nostalgia is just bullshit. You need to think about the future. You need to plan for the future. Nostalgia is what killed the Lakers this past season. Yeah, Kobe Bryant had 27 points per game, but he also shot like 43%. And he had an efficiency rating lower than Dwayne Wade's. And Dwayne Wade was hurt throughout the season. So I don't want to hear this crap about how it's Dwight Howard's fault and not the Lakers' fault. It is the Lakers' fault. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm getting gonna, passionate. Gonna have, I don't I'm know if have it, a sip of this. I don't know if it's the JMB or if it's uh, just the fact that I live in Los Angeles when I don't want to live in Los Angeles. But um, they they just, really he, took out a ev- lot. I hear it every single day, and this guy is 27, and the media is just turning out the whole crowd, the whole fan so wait, base wait, hold against on, hold Dwight on. Howard. You're saying that Dwight Howard uh, didn't choose to go to the team that he wanted. He was traded to a team that he did not want. And and from there, he decided to go to a team that he wanted to go. Yeah. And, oh, okay. Yeah. That makes up. That makes perfect sense. Let's hate him. And what what is inexcusable, too, is the Lakers, this genius organization, didn't get anything for him. 
They, if he wanted to go to Brooklyn, they could have gotten Brooke Lopez in another piece. They could have gotten draft picks. They, they probably could have gotten a, a David Lee and a Clay Thompson to go up the Golden State. But no, they were just arrogant. And they thought that we're the Lakers. We're special. And you're not special. The players are what make you special. The players are the ones who go out there and win. It's not the name. It's the players who go and play for you. And if you're not going to treat the players with respect, then they're going to leave you. And that's what happened. Yeah, now that Dwight Howard has left, um, they're saying that, oh, they never wanted Dwight Howard to begin with. 95% of all L.A. fans didn't want Dwight Howard. Well, then why did you put billboards up saying, stay, please stay, stay D12, hashtag stay D12, hashtag stay D12. And then uh, you also have uh, the Lakers organization offering him a max contract, more than any other team can offer him. But if you didn't want Dwight Howard, then why are you offering him a max contract where he would be paid over $20 million per year for the next five years? It's just a complete lie, and I hate it, it, it comes back to the way this country is going, where we think that corporations or, or the names on the, the front of the jersey aren't as important as the names on the back of the jersey. And these are players, these are human beings, and they have to choose what's best for them. He's about to be 30 years old in the next uh, couple of years, and he's already had back surgery and a torn labrum. He doesn't have much longer. Big men don't have a long shelf life in the NBA, so he has to do what's best for him. And he, he chose to give up money to go to a lesser team so that he could win a championship, and I applaud him for that. Yeah, I mean, let the jersey burning commence i mean which they did we, we, oh god we, they did burn jerseys they posted it online they, it's it's, it's the entitlement disgusting. of of the city itself they 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 believe that that uh, they need the best players the best players belong here uh not yeah the fact they that think the best that they own have... these human beings they, they don't he was traded here you know he he did not choose to be here the lakers thought that they could convince dwight howard to stay but they couldn't and it was just their arrogance that made them weaker than they are uh, two years ago. So it's it's just a disgusting, it's just purely disgusting. I'm really disappointed. Anderson and, Silva got knocked the fuck out. Yes. And now we're moving on because I, I could go on forever about how dis disappointed I am in the Lakers. Anderson Silva, I don't know much about UFC, but um, I'm... Throughout the fight, he taunted... And well, not taunted. even throughout the fight because all he had, he got to the second round, then he well, got knocked yeah, out. Well, yeah, I'm sorry. His short lived throughout the fight, and and it it, it caught up to him. So I'm not yeah. too 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 big and familiar, but I thought it would be funny for a guy who's taunting in the ring yeah. to get knocked the fuck out. I, I'm guessing all the arrogant people out there get to see what happens when you're arrogant. Uh, the Lakers lose Dwight Howard, and Anderson Silva gets knocked out. He's supposedly the best UFC fighter of all time which doesn't really matter because the sport is only like eight years old anyways. But when you, when you act like that and you can't back it up, then get out of the ring. And with the, the end of the match and he was giving his uh, going away speech, it sounded like he was about to retire. So you know, go out on a low, a low note. So. Now, who is this Yasiel Puig character? Yasiel Puig is a guy who's only played for about a month for the L.A. Dodgers. And, yes, he had an amazing month. He 
He had a month that was as good as almost any player ever. But the fact is, he only played one month while other players have been playing for two and a half, three months. And he doesn't have the at-bats, the stats uh, to compare to other players. Now, ever since uh, the month of June, his stats have actually been going down and down. And this, that's what other veteran players are saying. It's like, yes, the cool new thing does tend to get hot, but that's the whole point of baseball. That's why it's 160 games. Uh, the longer the season goes, the more even it comes out to be. So essentially what you're saying is he should be in the All-Star game. I Absolutely not. Well, the, the funny thing is the coaches didn't vote for him in. Um, he wasn't on the original ballot, so he didn't get in uh, to be a starter. And with the fan vote that lets them vote in one player per league, American League and uh, National League, he's not actually even ranked number one in the fan vote. So you just got everyone in the media from L.A. again saying how the rest of baseball is stupid and all of MLB is stupid and the coaches who voted for the All-Star starters are stupid. They should put Yasiel Puig into the game. And yet their their whole argument is that Yasiel Puig is a star and he's bringing people to watch the game. He can't even get the most fan votes to get into the game. So if he can't even get the most fan votes, which is just someone sitting at home and clicking on his name over and over and over again, how are you supposed to say, how are you gonna try to convince me that he is a star? He, he's not a star uh, because of the way he plays. He's a star because everyone in LA thinks that they're special and Wait, that- so this goes back to the uh, entitlement of Los Angeles? Yes. Because I I feel that if Puig played for Cincinnati or if he played for the Nationals and he had the same exact month, people would say, oh, this is a really good story. I'm glad to see this Cuban defector come and be able to play in the Major League Baseball. But him being in Los Angeles has caused them to overblow the situation and they're talking down to everyone who disagrees with them just because he plays for the Dodgers. And it, it's just another disgusting media LA thing that it, I, I, I hate. Now, <laughs> did you want to touch base about uh, Kaepernick uh, wearing a Dolphins hat? Oh. I don't know too much about the story. I just think it's as stupid as I think it is for him to do it. I don't think people should be mad at him and send him threats it's a tmz moment essentially yeah it it doesn't matter all he did was wear a dolphin's hat and it was crooked to the side so you didn't even see the full whole entire logo while he was at the beach with this hot girl and everyone's focusing on the fact he's wearing a dolphin's hat and he's like i'm still under contract for the 49ers it's not going to affect the way i play for your team i'm just wearing a hat what's wrong with everyone now, now, n- since we kind of crowd the idea of football before we leave, uh, Brett Favre played for your Green Bay Packers. Yes, my how long ago? Green Bay Packers. And 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 he's been retired for a year, officially a year. I mean, I, it's a it's a Brett Favre retirement. Yeah, so we don't know where that comes. Yeah, 2016 would be the first time he'd be able to get into the Hall of Fame. But but they have not retired his jersey yet in 
Green Bay. Well, there was so much animosity between Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers because Brett Favre wavered so much for so many years about retiring, then not retiring, then retiring, then not retiring. And then he had this tear Tearfield press conference where he officially retired. And like I got choked up watching him, like, oh, it's my favorite football player of all time is retiring. I'm never going to get to see him again. And then Green Bay moved on and they had Aaron Rodgers come in and Aaron Rodgers has been absolutely amazing. He had one of the greatest, if not the greatest seasons of any quarterback ever. He's already led them to a Super Bowl victory and he's led them to the playoffs uh, each of the past four years. So seeing this play out, I'm glad that Brett Favre and the Packers organization are coming together, but there was a reason why they didn't retire his jersey a while ago is because we needed to be behind Aaron Rodgers. We didn't need Brett Favre to come in, steal the spotlight, and steal the fans away. There was people threatening Aaron Rodgers' life, these pathetic people who, who threatened and booed Aaron Rodgers during practice games because they loved Brett Favre so much, and it just it's disgusting. So I feel like the organization handled it correctly. They waited long enough. Aaron Rodgers is a proven star, and is gonna. It seems like he's on his way for a Hall of Fame career. And now that they can give Brett Favre all of his accolades, and you know, it, there, there's no rush. You don't need to do it. You didn't need to do it two years ago. You didn't need to do it now. Just as long as you do it before the Hall of Fame induction, which is fine. And now, ever since Brett Favre, Beth, uh, blah, Brett Favre retired, Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre have come together and formed this nice friendship. And it's, it's working out well for the organization and Brett Favre. You gave me a stiffy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, my nipples are hard right now. So, um, Is there anything that you want to close on, Jeremy? Uh, well, Andy Murray, uh, of course, um, won the Wimbledon. Uh, the Wimbledon. <laughs> the, the Wimbledon. Uh, congrats. Congrats. Um, yeah. Uh, just a quick thing on that. Uh, for all you Brit fans, how about cheering for a guy instead of booing him and treating him horribly whenever he loses? And now that he's won, you're all behind him and saying, oh, we were with you the entire time. Show some support. Report, God yeah, damn it. Just show re- some report. Uh, yeah, um, he, he made it to the finals last year. He won a gold medal for you guys, and now he finally just won Wimbledon, and he's the first player in, I think, about 60 years uh, who was a U.K. native that won Wimbledon. So that's great. Uh, the studio is getting hot right now because uh, the AC is off for the podcast. So I think we're going to close up shop pretty there soon. There goes the bell. Okay. Jeremy, anything that you want to say? Nope. Um, all right. Well, this has been – oh, God, I forgot the name of the show. Um, oh, this has been Touching All the Bases. Uh, my name is Anthony Nicholas. we got here Jeremy Weicker and the incredible Nadine Magellani being our engineer and uh, uh, commentating guru. And I'd like to just give a shout out to all the fans. Thank you for listening. Uh, Keep up the likes and the retweets and everything. You can follow us on Twitter at TCRPN or go to our website, thecriticalreviewer.com, where you can uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook. Um, You can send in your own reviews. I'll review them and see if they're okay to be put up on the site. And then I'll post them and let you know. And you can also contact us and ask us anything. 
So <laughs> thanks. Jeremy, Jeremy just, just smashed ate. his face with a microphone. Just hit and his face. Uh, uh, follow us. Thank you. Bye. What is this crazy rock and roll music anyway? Well, I didn't see that coming. Hello and welcome. Operators are standing by. It's like a breath of fresh air. Dance like there's no tomorrow. TCRPN, the Critical Reviewer Podcast Network.